I knew on day one when I started that job that the system was rigged, built-in misogyny and systemic abuse of women, including myself, at the hands of the so-called icons of the music business, past and present. I witnessed men having sex in the office. I had to bring papers to my own boss in the Atlantic recording studio while he was receiving oral sex and was speaking about Ahmed Erdogan, the chairman and founder of Atlantic Records, who discovered everyone from Led Zeppelin to ACDC to NXS to Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles. The whole culture of the label was geared towards fulfilling his every need and whim. There were very few women in high positions in the company. So the culture of abuse starts at the top. And if the man at the top is abusive, he trains all the other people that work for him to abuse women. From Schwartz Media and 7am, I'm Ruby Jones, and this is Everybody Knows. In this series, I've been investigating what happened to Me Too in Australia. 2017 is the year when women are standing up against powerful men and saying, I won't be treated like that, and I won't be spoken to like that. What do we do? How it began with momentum, excitement and the promise of accountability for serial offenders. I can now tell my story. Now is my time. And if I tell it, I will be believed. And what went wrong? The effect of high-profile court cases, of reckless decisions made by journalists and a culture that's often willfully blind to abuses of power. Prepare the story like you're preparing for court. You've got to, you know, you've got to assume you're going to be sued and you've got to prepare for war. And I've been looking at what all of that means for one particular industry, the music industry, and at one company, Sony Music Australia. Because at Sony, women have been harassed, bullied and abused for years with impunity. I remember just observing it and thinking, you know, that if you're a woman, you're treated differently here. The people you go to for help were protecting the people at the top and no one's really looking out for you. In this episode, the final episode of Everybody Knows, I'm going to speak to two people who've thought deeply about the problems in the music industry. The first is Dorothy Cavello. She worked for major labels in the US and is now blowing the whistle on decades of abuse. The second is Dina Lynch, also known as Jaguar Jones. She's an Australian musician who went public about being sexually assaulted a few months ago. We're asking whether Me Too had any tangible impact, how it could be done differently, done better, what the cost is of speaking out and whether it's worth it. And we're talking about accountability, what real, genuine accountability might look like in the music industry and beyond. This is episode five. What will it take? And a warning, this episode contains descriptions of assault. As 
As I've been making this series, I've been thinking a lot about where we're at here in Australia, four years on from Me Too. How the stories of abuse that I've been hearing about are still possible, are still happening in 2021. And there's a few things that are clear to me. One is that sexism and corporate ambition go hand in hand. Men, and sometimes women, behave in certain ways in companies to get ahead, to get in with their bosses, to make themselves look better. They also harass others simply because they know that they can. And really, I think there will always be some people who take advantage of others and abuse their power. But it's only certain cultures, certain workplaces that make it clear that those people, they'll be protected. Abuse, harassment and assault only happens to the extent that it has in the music industry because others are complicit and they either enable abuse or they do nothing about it. But doing something is almost impossibly hard. Australia doesn't reward anyone who's outspoken, let alone those who try and talk about abuse. So what would it take for things to be different? So Dorothy meet Dina, Dina meet Dorothy. Hi Dina. <laughs> Hi Dorothy. The D, it's the D show. <laughs> Before we get into some of the ideas that I want to talk about, I was hoping that you could both introduce yourselves. Maybe, Dorothy, you could start by telling me who you are and when you got started in the music industry. I'm Dorothy Carvello. I'm an author and a woman's music advocate based in New York City. I started my career in 1987 as secretary to the chairman of Atlantic Records. I knew on day one when I started that job that the system was rigged built-in misogyny and systemic abuse of women, including myself, at the hands of the so-called icons of the music business, past and present. Mm. And Dina, can you tell me a bit about how you got started? I didn't grow up doing music at all. It was something that I uh, fell in love with quite late in my life, and it was due to having a need to express and deal with a lot of childhood traumas. And so it's really saved my life. But it meant that I started at the bottom and decided to do things in, um, I guess, like not a traditional fashion. And so I actually wanted to learn about the industry inside out. And so I went and worked for the music industry before I became an artist. And so I worked in sales, in marketing, in licensing, in, in music, programming. And then I moved into an artist management company for three years. And after that, I started my own project, uh, Jaguar Jones. And have been doing that for nearly three years. So I feel like I've been able to have a taste of the music industry in all its shades. Mm. And was there a gradual process of becoming aware of the types of things that you might come up against or were there specific things that happened that made you realise that there was this culture of, of sexism in the music industry? To be honest, because I was so young and because I came from a really broken background, it was 
so easy to exploit and abuse and um, harass a vulnerable person like me. And so I dealt with a lot of abuse in my career in the music industry, not realizing that I wasn't deserving of it, that I wasn't alone in it and that it was wrong. Even if I was lining up for drinks at the bar, one of the producers would come up to me and shove their hand up my shirt underneath my bra, put their hands. And although I went into speaking up at, on the project or on national television publicly and very much on my own. Pinning me to a pillar so that they could kiss me. Um, I would always say that I wanted to go home. Um, it was dark and they were very strategic about things. I was scared. I had so many threats to my career. I had so many, um, so much fear like weighing down on my shoulders and I still do like, but I just carry forward thinking about the change that can happen. And I've heard stories like yours um, from a lot of women now. Um, I've been kind of looking into this for the past six months and I've, yeah, I've heard a lot of stories of abuse, of harassment, of bullying. Um, but there is a lot of fear around talking about any of this stuff publicly. Very few women have. Can you tell me a bit about the decision to speak publicly? I started hearing that these two producers had done similar things to other artists and that sickened me. Um, I was in a very unique position where I had evidence and I had a police report filed which allowed me to somewhat speak about it within the very restricting defamation laws of our country. And I'm still not allowed to say who these people are, but I've been able to navigate, you know, speaking about the assault and bullying and abuse of power in our industry in a really delicate, intricate way to be able to kind of fan little fires into big changes that have happened in the last 18 months within our industry. And I feel like it's picking up pace despite how difficult it is to do that in Australia with our laws. What do you think, Dorothy? A woman should be hailed for complaining about sexual harassment. We don't need the kind of, you want to talk about a toxic environment? Atlantic Records, disgusting. I was called cunt, blowjob, pussy. I was held down on the ground while the chairman of the company tried to pull my underwear off in front of three senior vice presidents who stood there laughing at me. Every single one of those men is a multimillionaire, if not almost billionaire. So this is a disgrace. So I'm hearing from women, this happened and continually happened over a 30-year career in a corporation. I'm still hearing from 25-year-old women, artists and employees that are going through the same thing. They're being groped. They're being called disgusting names. What makes me so sad and makes me sick to my stomach is when I do get a young woman who had her face held down by an artist in a dog bowl and the company doesn't want anything to do with it. They want no responsibility. What is it going to take for a woman to die until that gets their attention? Yeah, it's 
a good question and I think it goes to the level of frustration that a lot of women feel at not seeing any change happen. And I wonder what your thoughts are, Dina, on what it's like to be a woman in this industry not seeing any real change. I mean, obviously we would look to what's happening in other environments and bring a bit of it back. But the truth is I think we had to navigate through many different hurdles to even be able to get to the place that we're at now. And that's because we have a complete different legal system in Australia than we do in other countries. When you make a claim and speak the truth over in the US, the onus is on the perpetrator to prove the truth. But in Australia, the onus is on the victim, the speaker, um, to prove the truth. And, and when in these situations, most of the time, the speaker of truth, the victim, the survivor, they don't have the resources to be able to win defamation like cases. You know what I mean? Like we, we don't have the financial resources or the emotional capacity to be able to go through that when speaking the truth is already reliving the trauma. And so it creates this like deafening, silent environment where women are so afraid to speak up about their stories. So obviously we can find motivation and encouragement, but I really think we had to figure out a unique strategy to be able to speak about things. But to be honest, we still haven't really spoken about things. After the break, a way forward. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. As a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. I want to ask you both about accountability because it seems to me that we're in this position now where we maybe believe women when they say that bad things are happening or have happened to them, but we're still a long way from actual accountability of people who are in positions of power, even acknowledging what has gone wrong. So, what are your thoughts on that, Dorothy? Has there been any accountability as far as you can see? The culture of these companies in the corporate offices in charge of all global decisions. Again, we have men who have not only committed sexual harassment, we have men that are covering up claims and NDAing these women, okay? And throwing these women out of the business, many talented women. And that's wrong. And keeping the men and recycling them all over the globe like a priest in the Catholic Church when he's caught abusing children. There's no accountability. 
until we get Me Too in the corporate office and the boards of directors are held responsible for these men behaviors, like Harvey Weinstein rotting 25 years in jail for this sexual harassment, men need to wake up and stop this shit. We went to school, we wanna work, we have a right to work, we have a right to have families, we have a right to make money, and we belong in the music business. Yeah, and I think there needs to be some kind of body that allows women to speak up freely about their stories and gather the evidence so that they can implement consequences on these individuals as well if there isn't a corporate structure to protect and, you know, implement these kind of consequences. The hard thing is that we know that there's a problem but we are yet to fully understand what the problem is because we are silenced. And obviously there's a lot of work that needs to be done to instill like accountability, responsibility and consequence within the music industry. But we're starting to see a little bit of it, which means that these predators are starting to be scared that the power is actually more in the hands of the victims, the survivors and and the women, you know, and that's so different to even just like two years ago. And based on your own experiences, do you have any advice for people who might be facing the same kinds of situations that you've experienced, whether that's something that's happened in the past or something that's happening right now? Um, You know, this is a question that I've been trying to answer this whole series, but, you know, should women speak up or should they do something else? Like, what is the best option here? Well, my advice is, like, I listen to Dorothy and I admire her. Like, I admire her strength and her courage. But I feel like I'm still in an environment where I am silenced. You know, I did go on national TV and tell my story. I have, you know, written many articles or spoken to many journalists about my story, but I still am yet to say who my perpetrators are. And I'm allowed to go ahead with one story out of the many that I actually do have. And I know that many women in the music industry have more than one story, but I'm allowed to just kind of touch the surface of one story because I have evidence for it. And so my advice to women, especially if they're in the Australian music industry, is be smart. Understand the laws around you and do things in a really strategic and clever way. Bring people around you, have a support network, gather your your evidence, gather your witnesses, gather your evidence, because the more you have of that, the more you are able to speak your truth as freely as possible. I agree. And we have to find uh, two things, law firms in Australia that are going to help these women um, speak their truth and also ways, look into ways to change the law that favors the survivor uh, because it could take that kind of trauma can take years for somebody to come forward and even talk about. I also really want to add, it really isn't the responsibility of the victims and the survivors to speak up and create change, but somehow it seems to be the only option. And it's so sad. So I really want also the industry to provide support to these women who are so strong to do this because like, even when I, you know, have done my bit, 
I speak now months later with strength, but during the time, like it was difficult. You are under public scrutiny. You feel like anything can flip at any point that everyone is wanting to fault you. You know, you're expected to be perfect when you have so much attention around you and also expected to drag yourself through the trauma and abuse that was already difficult to go through in the first place. Where's the support? Well, thank you so much for speaking to me about all of this. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much, Dina. I loved listening to you. Oh, thank you, Dorothy. I am so inspired by you and hope one day I can speak with the strength that you do and just kind of out people as freely as possible. Like I just, like the way you were speaking, I was like, fuck, I want to do that, (laughs) but I can't yet. (laughs) Well, I plan on coming to Australia as soon as the pandemic, they lift the uh, thing. So I'll create a lot of trouble. Just we'll put out an ad post bail for Dorothy (laughs) Well, I hope you have my support and I'll be here when you come down this way and we can have a wine and a coffee. A hundred percent. Ladies, rock on. Keep up the good fight. Thank you. I love Australia. My producer, Ruby, and I, we get to the studio straight after the conversation with Dina and Dorothy. It's the last opportunity that we have to talk through all of this, this past six months of making Everybody Knows. It was really interesting, especially hearing Dina's perspective as someone who has only just recently decided to talk about some of the things that have happened to her Mm. and is really kind of taking this on because she feels like someone has to and Mm. she can. I mean, obviously Dorothy thinks that there's so much work yet to be done because there are so many men who have not been held accountable. But at the same time, in Australia, I think we're like, and I think Dina was saying this as well, it's like you look to the US as almost like this example of what we're aspiring to here, where it's like it's still not the gold standard because people aren't being held to account, but at least women can tell their stories without being absolutely terrified of all of the repercussions. Yeah, I crave that kind of freedom. I yeah. really do. When I <laughs> yeah. hear people able to do it, I just, like, imagine being able to do that. Imagine being able to just talk about things that had happened to you and not having to weigh up all of these extremely heavy, difficult consequences or potential consequences for doing that. I and mean. also to feel as though you're constantly having to, like, think about, you're like, in. I mean, you're not protecting your abuser, but in a way because of how careful we have to be about naming people here, it's like you almost have this, like, concern for your abuser in a way mm. because it's like, you have to think about you you can't name them or if you choose to name them it's such a big deal so you're thinking about all these ways to like carefully conceal their identity um which Mm. is just such a fucked up thing to have to do (laughs) yeah no I know what you're saying because you are essentially protecting them yeah by doing all of that work it's so interesting for a long time I've been trying to work out what it is specifically about Australia and our culture here that has led us to this position. And I still don't think I fully understand it, but I think there is something in, I guess, just how 
insular and small we are in Australia that it feels like so, like such a big deal to talk about this kind of stuff, right? It's like we are a small country. There's like a few degrees of separation between even between industries. So then when you get down to the level of like one specific industry, you know that every single person who works in your industry will hear your story if you choose to tell it and will know, probably will try and work out who you're talking about. And I just don't think it works like that in other places. I, You know, that level of scrutiny doesn't exist. It's something specific about our size, but also um, it's a mindset thing, yeah, I think, as it's well. it's very parochial. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like we're Australia in some ways is uniquely bad at mm. um, confronting our, like, demons, I guess, and admitting wrongdoing it's like I feel like we're constantly looking around us and saying everyone else is bad but we're very bad at inward looking which I think makes it really hard for things to change because there's no acknowledgement yeah and it's one of the things that I thought about really early on in this series because what I wanted to do was provide a way to talk about this kind of thing with some nuance to it because I just didn't think there was anything that did that and I think I still think that that is the case there's just such extreme defensiveness when it comes to this kind of stuff. And so you end up in this situation where we're like, sure, like most women have a Me Too story and yet not a single man is willing to even entertain the idea that they might have been a participant in a Me Too story. As I'm finishing this series, I get a phone call from a woman called Kate. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Okay, great. Um... She tells me that she's listened to the last few episodes of Everybody Knows and that she'd recognised a lot of it because she'd worked at Sony too. I think I spent a week every day crying, um, hearing, you know, my friends talking about their experiences and I was just so sad for them and so sad for myself. She tells me that she's had similar experiences to the other women, harassment, bullying, that there's been lasting impacts on her mental health and that she wants to add her voice in solidarity. I just want people to know that they there's support out there. There's a lot of people that are willing to have your back, have a conversation, um, and hopefully from us all talking about it, some positive change will come. I get the sense that years after leaving Sony, women who have worked there are coming into their own, that they've lost some of their fear, that they're realising that they might have more power than they thought they did back then. And I think it will take, you know, small little steps towards change, but it looks like we're doing the right thing at this point, you know, and the more people that come forward uh, is only going to bring out the positive out of a negative, you know. For Kate, accountability isn't necessarily about naming names. She's focused on healing. And every single woman who I've spoken to in this series has a different sense of what they would want or need to happen next. It's up to them to choose what they want to do with their experiences. That might mean talking publicly, it might mean filing corporate complaints, or it might mean going to the police. At the moment, every single one of those options is fraught. But I hope that one day women might be able to make that choice for themselves from a place of freedom. 
rather than fear. This is the final episode of Everybody Knows. You can listen and share the series by searching for it in your favourite podcast app. Everybody Knows is brought to you by 7am and Schwartz Media. The show is produced by Ruby Schwartz. Osman Fruki and Claire Rawlinson are the executive producers, with special thanks to Madison Knorton. Eric Jensen is editor-in-chief. Mixing and sound design by Atticus Basto. Our theme music is an original composition by Rainbow Chan. Additional reporting in this series by Ruby Schwartz. I'm Ruby Jones, and you can hear me every weekday on Schwartz Media's daily news podcast, 7am. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Winnie Dunn has made a career out of helping others find their literary voice, and now it's her turn in the spotlight. This week on Read This, join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Winnie about her debut. Find it wherever you listen.